For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. Welcome back to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pictureless podcast highlighting the funny, bizarre, and weird elements of baseball that make America's pastime special. I'm Noah Scott, and I am once again thrilled to <laughs> I'm thrilled to introduce my Blatherskite co-host, Brandon Riddle, to the show. Blatherskite co-host, it is glad to be here, Noah. <laughs> I, where do you find these words? Um, so, so Blatherskite, I forget where I found it, but it's just um someone who talks nonsense for a while, which makes a lot of sense, actually. Okay, I'm, I'm, yeah, that makes sense. A, I'm in. That is a fun word. Blatherskite. Like, it feels almost German, like you can yell I it. it was, yeah, I thought it was like, you know, gave me some German energy there. Blatherskite. Blatherskite. Or like, like you know, like uh, Nor- Norwegian or something. Like oh, something I can see that, yeah. Nor- a Nordic co- country. Yeah, and it's like some kind of fish. Cool. Um, anyway, <laughs> what, anyway we got going on, what we got going on today, Noah? I genuinely could not tell you because this is the first time I'm reading the rundown because uh, this is a uh, – you put this one together. So it looks like we're talking about uh, somebody named uh, Hector Espino. Uh, Hector the, Espino. The Rebel of Chihuahua, which sounds wildly entertaining. Uh, and then we are playing a game. Uh, we're bringing back the Rent Extend Cut game uh, this time, uh, playing with some center fielders. So uh, I'm excited for that. I – don't know who we're talking about yet so that'll be, that'll be fun <laughs> and that's actually going to lead us to uh something else you may not know pickoff trivia pickoff trivia all right so this one it might be a little short um who was the first pitcher to officially throw a pitch 100 miles an hour i gotta be honest i feel really good about saying walter johnson Ooh, walter jo- how do you think they was that like with the uh the motorcycle method where they ran against the, the motorcycle motor- okay the motorcycle Okay, well, officially the first player to pitch over 100. Can, can, can I can I give a second guess though? Because I feel like I can give wrong. you a I can give you a decade. My second guess. Well, I I just I for me I think it's between two players. Okay. If it's not Walter Johnson, it's got to be Bob Feller, right? Ooh, Bob Feller's another good one. Yeah. So I'm wrong on both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay well, it really just depends how you you say official with all these. Yeah, I, I guess with yeah. the modern radar gun, let's go with that. With the, with okay. the radar gun, um, 1974. Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan. That was the third. Okay. 100.8 miles an hour. And that was when, now, never mind. Now you say it with a modern radar gun. I remember watching the fastball documentary. Was that when he was throwing it through like the copper coils at home plate? So this was during a game. This wasn't during that test. I do remember that. That, So that was was really cool to see throwing it straight through this copper coils to get that velocity. Uh, But this was during a game. So maybe I should have rephrased it (laughs) that way. I feel like just like while we're on the subject, it might be a fun fun opportunity to tell that that uh, just a very brief story about about those you know trying to get velocity readings for those. Oh yeah. Pictures. So when we we briefly Brandon briefly mentioned uh, a motorcycle. So there used to you know there, there was this big Hall of Fame pitcher his name's Walter Johnson. The big uh, train. They called him the big train, which is one of the coolest uh, one of the coolest nicknames I think out there. Uh, but they so this guy he threw so so hard uh, and of course at the time when he played I don't remember what was he 30s 20s 20s 30s Walter Johnson uh, 30s I think 30s 20s yeah Yeah. 
um, around that time where obviously they didn't have radar guns like they do today, uh, very precise readings, but everyone knew he threw hard. And of course, being humans, naturally inquisitive, they wanted to know just how hard he threw. Uh, so what they ended up doing was they had... <laughs> They had, I, I think he actually, did he throw it at like a wall or did someone catch him? I, um, I think someone caught it, if I yeah. remember correctly. But they had him line up, right, uh, you know, uh, you know, traditional mound distance, right, and throw as hard as he could at this catcher or target. Uh, and they actually ran a motorcycle uh, going, <laughs> going like alongside him, I think at like 100 miles an hour, right? And the motorcycle, it, it had like lead up time to get to that mm-hmm. velocity and they got there at the same time. And it's like when you think of like just the scientific method, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that's what we got. Well, I'll tell you what, I got this guy with the motorcycle. Let's see how fast we can go. You're going to drag race a motorcycle, and if you beat him there, you throw 100 miles an hour. That's how it works, and it's science. <laughs> yeah, anyway. you, can't, you can't say it. You can't prove it wrong. Yeah, so that, that was the motorcycles, and you had mentioned uh, that they, they brought for Nolan Ryan, I believe it was, or Bob Feller, like a military yeah. radar out where he had to throw a ball right in a small box. Yeah. And do you remember what was all in that contraption? I I very I remember like there were some metal strings that I were it, yeah, holding it metal, down. It was uh-huh. like metal or copper strings that were like suspended and, and like, you know, un- unraveled down and he I think it was two sets, right? Yeah. He hit the the first set and then it went through and hit the second set and somehow they, they Oh, and then they can figure out the, the velocity from that. And of course yeah. the issue the issue with that is that you're not getting the velocity from when it leaves his hand. Exactly. You're getting it after it's already traveled sixty feet. So it's exactly. it's slowed down a bit by then. But yeah, yeah. so uh a little interesting uh, trivia there. Yeah. Go watch Fastball, it's a documentary. It it's really good. Like, really, really interesting. hmm And that is going to lead us to our main segment today. Hector Espino, the rebel of Chihuahua. All right. And I didn't know anything about this guy. I feel kind of guilty about that because he is the, well, a couple of things, the all-time Mexican league leader in home runs and the all-time minor league leader in home runs. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 I just don't feel bad because I haven't heard of him either. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll, we'll get more into it. Uh, but the league he was in in Mexico was still kind of considered a minor league. Uh, so okay. for so when he was hitting the home runs, they still counted towards the total, which is kind of neat. Got right. double dipped there a little bit. Okay. Uh, but Hector is a fascinating individual, and I'll, I'll say you know at, at first he's kind of difficult to figure out as well, uh, uh, especially from a major league baseball perspective, because uh, when you think about it, baseball in this country and almost every professional sport in America believes and behaves as though they are the absolute pinnacle of the sports, right? Of course. Like MLB, NBA, and the NHL, think okay, we are the best in the world, and that perspective then rubs off on those fans, and fans assume that players always want to strive for the pinnacle of the profession. Right, but that ain't it. <laughs> uh, so, for like a hundred different valid reasons, a generational player can stay in the home league and still be legendary. Uh, they don't need major league baseball stamp of approval, and that's exactly what happened with Hector Espino. Uh, so Hector's story starts, you know, late fifties, early sixties, but we're going to start in 1964. Uh, this is his third season of professional baseball, and he's already proven himself to be a star in Mexico. Uh, first, first two seasons hit 362, and followed that up with 465. So, <laughs> so is he is he he playing in America right now, or is he in Mexico? 
we're, we're gonna we're gonna get there. Okay. Uh, so the first two seasons there were in Mexico, uh, and then the Jacksonville Suns, a minor league team f- uh, for the Cardinals, they brought Espino up north for a season. So this is his first season in America, okay. and he had a bit of a slow start, uh, but he got himself hitting an even three hundred after thirty two games. So first season in America, hitting three hundred, perfect. He went back to Mexico. And there were a bunch of different reasons purported in newspapers. Um, some say he was just homesick. Uh, some say it was good old U.S. racism he didn't like. Um, others said it was a he liked being a big fish in a small pond in Mexico, being a great right. player he was. Uh, but his wife said that they had a fine time in Jacksonville and that Espino just wanted to play in Mexico. And, and there's kind of an odd story when he was playing uh, uh, up there. Uh, he was running to catch a fly ball, and his hat flew off as he was running. Uh, so he stopped, he scooped up his hat, and then the ball landed for a hit. Oh, man. Just a really odd moment there that happens. I, I think he was just like so, that. yeah. Like, reading about him in that moment, it just felt like he was so content within himself that he thought, I need my hat. Yeah, I mean, you got to look good. You got to look good because then you're going to play good. That's rule number one. Look good, you play good, you feel good, you play good. Absolutely. Uh, but in reality, why he returned to Mexico is probably a bit about everything we did mention as well, but it's mostly about the pay. Uh, so Jacksonville sold Espino to the St. Louis Cardinals after the season, and Espino wanted to take a share of the profits from the sale. Uh, the sale that, you know, they sold him, so he thought, I deserve some of that money. Right, of course. Uh, yeah. But they never gave him a signing bonus for doing that. Uh, so instead of flying to Tampa, Tampa Bay, to report with the Cardinals, he just took a flight home back to Chihuahua. So did they? They promised him a signing bonus and they didn't deliver, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'd I'd be upset as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Jacksonville, they actually sold the Spino, uh, and they were going to use some of the funds to build a build more of a stadium to improve the stadium. And the Spino's like, "Hey, I just want some of that money that you got because of me." Yeah, that, and it that, just didn't you work. Know, yeah, you, you got because of my labor. Uh, you know, I put my body on the line. I want to get paid. Absolutely, yeah, this is exactly what we're talking about right now. Right? Yeah. So he thought, well, I have a league back home. I'm just going to go do that. Right. And there was also another aspect in Mexican baseball at the time. Uh, so newspapers around then referred to the players as property, literally property. That's what they label them as something to be owned. And Espino absolutely hated it. Right. Uh, so when baseball in America, you know, just dropped any semblance of respect, it kind of came in flashbacks and says, and Espino just didn't need it. He so didn't saying, want that. So you're saying that that's how the the Mexican papers referred? They referred to in the six, in the sixties. Yeah, it was property. And, that was that was the, that was the phrase used. That's something that I don't want to be too much of a downer with this lockout, but that's something that we still do. That, that oh yeah, players, that p- papers and especially like front offices, they refer to players as assets and as liabilities. And, and we still uh, they, call the people that have the teams owners. They call them owners, and they talk about how this guy's like a good value. It's like no, that's a person, mm-hmm. all right. Like that's that's you know he's he's an athlete, but he's he's a person, right? Like he's it's very intentionally dehumanizing. So and that it, they can, it, and sadly, it is easy to slip into that, especially, you know, fantasy baseball players, people that just yeah. kind of watch the game. Their stats not really attributed to your personality. Yeah. So yeah. when you see things like people, when players, you know, p- playing pranks on each other or actually understanding how they have a home life, it, it humanizes them and it actually makes for a much funner game as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it all just comes back to, you know, the way we use language is important and it's important to be mindful of it, especially when you're talking about other human beings that they don't exist for your entertainment. Like, yes, that's a part of their job, but they're people and they're just trying to survive like anyone else. Yeah. So just like Espino, he didn't want to be treated as property. So he just left. And that wasn't his last uh, try in America, however, because three years later, um, he gave the California Angels a shot. So the angels came knocking, and he thought, you know, it's pretty close to the border. I can still go home and enjoy myself. Uh, But before spring training even started, the angels manager declared he didn't want any of his players crossing the border during spring training. That seems weird and also targeted. Yes, it very much so was. Uh, And and Espino thought, fine, I'm just going to stay on my side of the border. And he didn't show up. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's. That's pretty clever. <laughs> it's like he's having a good time, Mex. So I don't need the yeah. I don't need this California job. Yeah. And it also came back again to pay. Uh, the Angels were not paying him as much as he thought he was worth. He, in fact, he was getting paid more in Mexico than he would have been with the Angels. Yeah. Um, so why deal with less pay and the racism if you can just have a good time in Mexico? Was, yeah. And in fact, the first season back in Mexico after that happens, um, he beat out Minimosa for the batting title by 21 points. That so is- that's how you know that he wasn't just, you know, a regular player. He beat out Hall of Famer Minimosa. Minimosa, who played for two decades. So. Like, he's a, a huge Hall of Fame name for mm-hmm. those of you that aren't super familiar with him. So, like, that is, that's a huge uh, credit to, or a huge point to uh, Espino's bona fides, really, as a ball player. That's really impressive. By 21 points, too. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, so, overall, uh, Espino would be courted by a whole bunch of MLB teams. The Yankees, uh, we talked about Cardinals and Angels, Cleveland and Houston. They all kind of wanted him to come up, but no. Because in Mexico, he was a bona fide star, my goodness. Uh, so in his rookie season, we talked about that. He hit 362 with 20 home runs. Um, he led the Monterey Sultans to a championship and was named Rookie of the Year. So right off the bat, literally, probably <laughs> having a great career wow. down there. Yeah, seriously. Um, and then he had an injury-shortened sophomore campaign. He only hit 358 with 23 home runs in just 99 games, mind you. And the year he got back uh, from Jacksonville, he got his first batting title in Mexico, finishing with a 371 average and, again, 46 home runs. That is ridiculous. Those are just unreal stats. Video game numbers, as we said a couple episodes ago. Cracks almost 50 home runs. All right, Barry Bonds. I see (laughs) And, in fact, that year in 64, he led the league with 117 runs, and only two other players in Mexican League history scored more including cool papa bell okay. always gotta get always gotta get a cool papa bell reference in an episode now were they playing in the mexican league at the same time no right? no so cool, cool papa, papa bell was in the 30s uh-huh okay yeah i thought he was much before yeah, okay cool very cool <laughs> yeah and, and we had mentioned that he is the all-time home run leader in mexico and we'll get to those numbers in a moment here uh, but he wasn't necessarily a big home run hitter he was more like hank aaron in that regard we just hit so well that it's inevitable that some balls are going to find the way over the wall. Right. So here's a quick list of averages, just to kind of throw it at you, that he hit for seasons. 379, 365, 356, 377, 337, 369, 362, and 465. 
Wow. He almost My goodness. Hit 500. Almost hit that 500. Is... Those are all nuts numbers, right? Like, just, just for a quick, like, palate cleanser, like, you know, great average is 300. Like, that's an all-star, mm-hmm. you know, if you got a little bit of power. 365 or anything above 330, really, today, like, you're leading the league. That's course field numbers, yeah. And the lowest average you just named was 337. <laughs> Everything else is 350 and above. And then he hit 465. Now, was that chronological? There, that no was way. not chronological, no. Yeah, that is um, crazy. Yeah, uh, l- later on, as he aged, he hit 297 once. Uh, so he was, he was getting up ah, there at that point. But watched. still, you know, yeah. he could just hit. <laughs> And 297 is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's that's awesome. Uh, let's see here. So now that's the averages. Home run-wise, he was consistent. So overall, he hit 310 home runs in the winter ball, 453 home runs in summer, so the regular season, and of course, three home runs in Jacksonville. Uh, and that winds up with a total of 766 total home runs. Wow. That is really cool. He... <laughs> You know who he reminds me of? We've talked Who's, about him on his on on the podcast. Uh, he reminds me of Sadaharu O. Yep, <laughs> that's who he reminds me of. Like like uh you know like uh Mexico's version of Sadaharu O. Like that is so cool. And like I I love that he stayed in Mexico because he had you know he had his principles and oh yeah you know, he was practical. Like there's no reason for him to play in America when he's going to get treated horribly. And he's not going to get paid appropriately, and he's not yeah. going to be celebrated like and, he should be. And that was very much his personality. Everyone, you know, refers to him as just a quiet guy that mostly kept to himself. You know, just yeah. being honest, respectful, and just really strong. Um, his family said that his favorite hobby was grilling. So he's just oh, like the Hank Hill of Mexican of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> the Hank Hill. I'll tell you what. I'm going to hit this ball out to tell you <laughs> what. Oh wow. <laughs> that that's that's great. I want to hang out with this guy. Oh yeah. Um and so the, there was a little story as, as well when he was in the one year, I forget exactly what team he was on. Uh but the team was running promotion where any player that hit the home run got a ticket for a free suits. And he has a good relationship with everyone because he's a, a good guy like that. Yeah. And so Jose, the bus driver, uh, turned to Espino and said, Are you going to win me a free suit tonight? And Espino said, sure, Jose, I'll win your suits. And then when Jose looked away, Espino held up two fingers and whispered, two suits. And, <laughs> that, uh, and he won him two suits by hitting two home runs. That, okay, it's, it's, the numbers are one thing, but a true legend has, has a story like oh, yeah. that that is, like, too absurd to be true, but it is, like, that's so great. I love mm-hmm. those, those small little nuggets. <laughs> And he's just a revered figure in Mexican League Baseball, obviously. People talk about him like we would talk about any legendary figure in baseball. He's just up there with the esteem. And just the way he carried himself, the great ambassador. Yeah, like that's that is really like start to finish. Like I from very genuinely not knowing I had never heard heard this this guy's name before. But like like the whole story is just so like he stuck to his principles. Yeah. Love that snot out of the baseball and you know he he did what he loved that's so so cool you know because it's it's not often that you you see somebody who who really like you know is the full package just like Mm -hmm. like off and on the field like so that that is really cool uh question Yeah. yeah in the in the header you call him the rebel of chihuahua i know chihuahua's a town is that right is that is there anything more to that nickname 
Right. So the story there, um, it, it goes back again to a labor dispute with pay uh, with the team of Chihuahua, I think it was. And the team wasn't paying him enough at all. And so he decided, I'm just going to sit out and not play until I get paid what I'm worth. Right. And so the fans started calling him the rebel of Chihuahua because he kept sticking it to the man. He's he's really kind of like Sadaharu O and Kurt Flood kind of like mixed mm-hmm. into one. A little yeah, bit. and oh. when when he stepped away from St. Louis, this was still five years before Kurt, Kurt Flood. Right, yeah. So it's wow. it still wasn't normal for players to say, no, I'm not getting paid enough. I'm just not going to play. And I just – I love that line about uh, – about how his Angels manager, he's like, I don't want any of my players crossing the border. He's like, all right, I'll just stay on Oof. my side in Mexico. Like, yeah, yeah and, it, and, and, it's, so, it's a horrible situation to put your, your point in. It is. In, but like Espino's response, you know, he's like, all right, I won't cross the yeah, border. Yeah, I just won't. I just won't, I won't and play. it was definitely an issue of racism because some of the newspapers had headlines that were, yeah, oh boy, like you can't mistake that. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm shocked. I'm truly, truly yeah. shocked that baseball was racist right um so some other really cool things about espino here uh so he was intentionally walked with the bases loaded during a playoff game wow absolutely um overall 13 batting titles six home run titles six mvp awards is in the mexican baseball hall of fame is in the caribbean baseball hall of fame and again recognizes the all-time minor league home run king with 484 minor league home runs now that would be like that's that's incredible. Uh, but I, I just this kind of kicking off an idea in my head. Like it would be really cool to have an international baseball Hall of Fame because we have so many issues, of course, with the American version. And I would, uh, I would and, love and, for Cooperstown to be the baseball Hall of Fame. Like period, right? Like yeah, because you got to recognize uh, Hector Espino. You got to recognize guys like Sadaharu O. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Tuffy Rhodes, right? Like, absolutely. You, you, gotta, you gotta recognize the, these players because baseball, while you know MLB is the like, I, you know, it's it's you know the, considered the stage, the the pinnacle, yes, right? It's it's baseball is an international. Sport, yeah, it's right? just a and, small sliver of what's of what's out there, and we're missing great stories. Yeah, I I I had never. I had never heard of Hector Espino yeah. until and, 20 minutes ago. And I have to, unfortunately, I guess, thank the lockout because I thought, I don't want to tell stories about Major League Baseball right now. Right. And baseball exists everywhere. So let's tell those stories. So I think that's what I'm going to do for a little bit on this podcast. I think that's a great idea. Very, very cool. Any any closing words about, about uh, the Rebel of Chihuahua? Oh, man. He was, of course, uh, if somebody has home run t- titles like this, another nickname is the uh, Mexican Babe Ruth. I feel like everyone's some iteration of Babe Ruth. Yep, and, and, and that's why I didn't put that one in the title. Like, we don't, come on, everyone has that. Yeah, All It's right. just an easy nickname to get. <laughs> I, I, I think that your comparison to, to Henry Aaron's a little more apt in the sense that he was just consistently oh, yeah. you know, hitting the ball well and it translated to home runs. Um, Hector Espino, the Rebel of Chihuahua, uh, altogether fantastic story. Thank you, Hector. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll be back with a, uh, a game right after a word from our sponsors. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. And we are... (laughs) (laughs) We are hitting the ground running today. A very refreshing drink later. Uh, We are back with a a game called Rent Extend Cut. Uh, For those of you who haven't been here while we've played this game, uh, it's a fun little brain teaser because we like to torture ourselves on this show uh, where we take three roughly similar players from throughout baseball history and then we compare them and we decide if we're the general manager, which one are we renting uh, for just, you know, one season? Uh, Which one are we extending and building a statue of, you know, keeping for life? And then which one are we cutting from the roster entirely? Uh, and and this is here, we make a lot of people angry with this. <laughs> we make a lot of people angry, and I'm sure that they're already shaking their fists. Uh, it might be at traffic on the way home, but it's probably at us. Um, and now I, I said at the top of the show, I didn't know which players we had selected for this, but I see we've got the Duke of Flatbush, Duke Snyder, as one of them. I am very excited. I think I think I've already got my my pick lined up. But well, that's that's just one guy. Who are the other guys? Okay, so let me scroll down a little bit. Duke Snyder. Oh, Andrew Jones. (laughs) Andrew Jones. Interesting. And Jim Edmonds. Okay. These are all. Yeah. We're going to have a tough time with this one. I didn't realize they were so close together. Yeah. They were all extremely similar. Uh, So, so for you listening at home to a top line idea, uh, let's just use war, for example, over the course of their career. Um, So Duke Snyder has a career war of 65.9. Andrew Jones, 62.7. Jim Edmonds, 60.4. So they're all right within striking distance of each other. And I think uh, an important note, uh, if this is the first time that you're listening to this, we don't do this based on pure stats. We do this no. based on a combination of that and heart, you know, because that's what baseball is about. It's it's having, you know, it's it's really the holistic view of the player. Uh, wow. And we've got yeah, some I, good names. My heart tells me one thing already. Okay, what's your what's your initial my my heart is on building the statue of Andrew Jones because my goodness I loved watching him play, and uh, you can go look up highlights and the highlights of this man. You see the ball hit in center field and you go, "There's that's not possible," but he closes the gap and dives for that ball so well. I mean, there's a reason why he's a ten time Golden Glover. We have very different memories of Andrew Jones. <laughs> I, I so I gotta see I gotta see a young Andrew Jones at his peak. I remember watching him then. Yeah. And of course, the argument goes he had a great first half and terrible second half. But the argument goes um, if you flip his career around uh, to where it's you know mediocre in the beginning and fantastic right. to end, he'd be a right. shoe in the Hall of Fame. Uh, right. But it's that weird dichotomy in the bifurcation, if you will, of his career. Okay. Okay. And yeah, and, and that's the thing about. I feel like him and Edmonds are very close together here. It, this is going to be interesting because Duke Snyder is he's got more more wins above replacement, right? The single counting stat. Uh, yeah, he, he also has considerably Snyder. more um, time in the league than like Jim Edmonds, for example. Yeah, let's let's compare that first. Like, okay. how, how long did each player play? Um, let's see. I don't have the years, but I do have the at bats, which gives you a pretty good indicator. Um, 
So Duke Snyder had 7,100 at-bats, Jim Edmonds, 6,800. So, you know, maybe half a season more. Okay. Now, the thing the thing about Edmonds and Andrew Jones that really sticks out to me is because they, they really, they're considered two of the best fielders, outfield defensive outfielders of all time. Mm-hmm. Now, I unfortunately don't have super great memories of of either cuz at the early 2000s I was I was in I'll, kindergarten I'll, in 2004. I'll, so. t- I'll tell you what, after after this podcast, I got the links next to the names. Go just look at some of those highlights and it's phenomenal. I've seen the, I've seen the highlights for sure, but I I what I'm saying is I don't have that like personal Mhm. You know, like I, I I wasn't I wasn't growing up when Andrew Jones was tracking stuff down in Atlanta. I did see I do remember uh, Jim Edmonds in uh, Anaheim, or I yeah, guess California, it, right? It, it is easy to kind of lose that perspective because, like, when you say Duke Snyder, of course I know the name, I know the Hall of Famer, but it's I don't have those visual memories of him laying out and just being an amazing yeah. player. I just know, oh, Hall of Famer. So the 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 converse of of the Andrew Jones uh, argument or conversation that we were having was I I did say I remember Andrew Jones I remember him for the wrong reasons because when yeah. he was when he so Andrew Jones played uh you know he came up in 1996 and he played with the uh with Atlanta for 11 years mm-hmm. there. Oh. and that's where he he really that was where he was you know a borderline Hall of Fame talent um you know he hit. 30 plus home runs for like four straight seasons you know he's oh that's that's a gold glove defense center field that is that is a hall of famer right there platinum glove defense but then he comes you know so 2008 he's only 31 yeah he came to the dodgers and put up the worst season i've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life he had a 38 wins wrc plus a 38 yeah, that's that's not ideal, and he that's, lost a couple of steps as well, if I remember correctly. Thirty-eight. That's oh, I'm gonna. Why do I keep making myself do math live on air? Thirty-eight. That's that's what a, a that's 60, less than forty-seven percent. That's oh, like <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's that's yeah. That's like what sixty-two percent worse than the yeah. It's not. It's not great. We, we didn't terrible. have a good time there. That's terrible. Like he hit he hit one fifty-eight with the Dodgers in, in 75 games. Yeah. But I mean, those first, those first 11 seasons though, phenomenal. Well, I just remember like, and I've, I've, okay. I, I've, I've had this argument uh, about Andrew Jones, whether he's a hall of famer or not um, enough to where I kind of, you know, I, I feel like I, I feel fine, like kind of commenting on his career because he just kind of like, I'm never going to say an athlete gave up, but I feel like he lost that drive a little bit because he, I don't know. He also got old. That's part of it. Yeah. He got old, and it, it his cliff, his fall off just happened so rapidly. It, it did it, happen real fast. And it was like as soon as he turned thirty, like even in Atlanta that last season, like he was a below average hitter, still you know, de- you know, usable, but he wasn't in the Grand Canyon just yet. But yeah, so it's it's kind of hard for me to kind of rationalize that alongside the the very great years from Andrew Jones. So I feel like that might end up being the differentiator here because when you're talking about three, oh, in this case, one Hall of Famer and, you know, a couple guys that are borderline, I feel like that is really you gotta draw the line in the sand somewhere. So that kind of just immediately puts me okay. okay, I'll put Andrew Jones to the side for now. I'll come back. Jim Edmonds, uh, right up there with with Andrew Jones in terms of 
of defense. He was incredible. The one highlight I think everyone remembers is that that diving catch yep. into the wall. Like he's diving. So for those of you who haven't seen this, um, go on YouTube and just type in Jim Edmonds. It's the first thing that pops up. I guarantee it. Um, but I'll, I'll run down the place. This guy hits a ball. He's on the angels. He's playing center field guy hits a ball over his head. He's running full tilt lays out like dives backwards in the sense that like he dives away from home plate, right? He's diving towards the wall Mm -hmm. lays out and like basket catches this, this baseball in the most one of it's gotta be a top five catch in MLB history. Like it's up there with the, the Willie Mays play. I I'd probably say, I don't know. What do you think about that? Is that, is that a hot take? It might be a little hot. It's a, maybe 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 it's a little hot, but you're not wrong in suggesting like it at all. There. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not it's an amazing play. Yeah. Uh, the difference is Jim Edmonds, like Andrew Jones, phenomenal hitter, right? Four hundred thirty-four home runs yeah. career. Yeah, phenomenal hitter. Jim Edmonds, I f- like, also a phenomenal hitter. I I just feel like in my gut, I I don't know if it's just my bias, my anti Andrew Jones bias, uh, or what. The the difference is like. I don't know. Jim Edmonds, like, uh, he also cracked a lot of home runs, too. He hit 40 home runs once. He almost did it, or he hit it twice, actually. Almost did it. I, I, I can see that you're just trying to find a reason to cut I, Andrew Jones. I, That's I, what you're doing right now. I am, and I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But it's just... And I, I get, again, it's not, it's not all about the numbers. I, I get that he's a well, 10-time I, gold glover and a five-time I, all-star. And I get it's not all about the numbers. You just have to go with your gut sometimes. Well, I feel like I, I try to do half and half because there is there. You know, I mean, quite a, few, quite a bit of this is is numbers based. You know, as I'm looking over their spreadsheets, and there's not like a huge differentiator between him and Edmonds. Yeah, I, I like mean, Edmonds was the better player. Like I don't know, Jones feels like he was more consistent towards the front half of his career. He even cracked 51 home runs in 2005. I'm seeing 41. Like he had. They both had huge power at mm-hmm. times. They both obviously played stellar defense. I just feel like, you know, when you you kind of look at the the whole image, Jim Edmonds finished his career with a 132 WRC plus. He had f- six consecutive years, almost seven of having it above like above you know 145. Like Jim Edmonds, like his, it, it's nuts because he really and, hit a second wind at age thirty. He goes yeah, and, and based Lewis. off consistency, Edmonds makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but again, yeah. I'm going with my heart. <laughs> Go with your heart. No, that's that's good. I just think that when you compare the two, I'm giving the nod to Jim Edmonds above Andrew Jones. And the more I I talk myself into it, I guess the better I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see there. Now Duke Snyder, I feel like. Duke Snyder, when we talk about Hall of Fame ball players, he gets overlooked he a does. more than he deserves. And it's understandable when you consider the time and place that he played. So Duke Snyder was one of three Hall of Fame center fielders in New York City at the time he played. The he, reason nobody talks about him yep. is because he wasn't Willie Mays or Mickey Mantle. <laughs> like he's going up against two two top quite possibly top ten uh you know two very inner circle hall of famers and yeah and then duke snyder crossed the road yeah and and it's just he's not like can you imagine growing up in new york city and having willie having those three mickey mantle duke snyder not to mention you know jackie robinson and oh my goodness how could they move the team out of there that doesn't make any sense (laughs) yeah well i'm glad they did um (laughs) they Uh, there's there's some like 99 year old Brooklyn fan out there just angry with you right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want my super bars back. 
Yeah, but uh, <laughs> can you imagine still calling him that? <laughs> um, Make it happen. I gotta say though, like, so here's the differentiator: is Duke Snyder wasn't a good, like, a great fielder like them. I mean, he was fine. He was. Solid. Well, I mean, it was a completely different. Oh, are you you're talking like Willie Mays? Or I guess at this point, it doesn't matter with the defense between those three guys. Yeah. Uh, he was still a solid fielder. Well, he was a solid fielder. I just mean in the context, not even Willie Mays and Mickey. I mean in the context of Jim Edmonds and Andrew Jones, who were generational talents in center field. He wasn't on that level at all. Uh, yeah, it's tough to say because all the highlights that we have, they're very grainy. And, of course, it still highlights from back in the day. So it looks yeah. a little bit out of place I mean, compared to what? The 50s, right? Like, yeah. But he he was a very good – he was a good fielder. I like how we're, like, disparaging a Hall of Famer. Like, he, oh, yeah, he was good. He was fine. No, but, but that's the thing is, like, I feel like those two guys have more of an argument on the fielding side where Duke Snyder, most of his he, argument is just based on bats. Slapping the, the hell absolute out of the ball. bat. Uh-huh. Like, just, just hammering the baseball. Like, I'm looking at his just WRC plus totals. So, he, so 50, 1952, uh, he goes 135 next year, uh, 165, 170, 164, 156, 146, on and on and on. Like, incredible like like truly a phenomenal hitter he hit uh you know like 300 for more honestly more times than he didn't it looks like so about, you know anyway, so it sounds like all of this obviously you're, obviously you're cutting jones you that's been decided keeping, you knew i was keeping duke snyder yeah um because i have to and and he was also one of those ball players where like we said there's there's stats but there's also heart in this he was one of my uh, I had a book growing up that was about Duke Snyder, and that was like I was a huge Duke Snyder fan, which is a really weird thing for an eleven-year-old to be into. <laughs> is is a ball player that played, uh, and know, and years. also by the way, um, grade A baseball name, Duke Snyder. Oh, that puts him over the top. I yeah, think absolutely. The three, he dominates that. Um, <laughs> I it, like. I think that name just needs to come back. Start calling kids Duke again. Duke, cool. It's it is. Name um yeah i gotta go duke snyder the guy who cra- cracked 40 home runs in five straight seasons from 53 to 57 407 career home as a center fielder as well as, yeah as, yeah and like that's just he's just a monster like i can't i can't get over that i can't like like that's that's kind of like that conversation we had during the PitchCon episode where we were talking about edgar martinez where it's like how much mm. is a bat a bat of that stature real how much is that worth without mm-hmm. and, and this is you know he has the benefit of he is a, still a very capable and very good fielder out there in the outfield he's just not jim edmonds or andrew jones and i think so i gotta i'm building the statue of duke snyder i, I can't um, fault you there can't yeah uh you knew it was coming when you you made this list uh and then i gotta i'm sorry atlanta i gotta give the nod to jim edmonds over All andrew right. jones I'm I'm probably you know I don't know I I, for, I, I for, but but the rental member is different like true. if you get peak Andrew Jones versus peak Jim Edmonds that's true that's very very true I still think I, <laughs> I still think okay let's look at Andrew Jones's peak season here just just based off of yeah sure uh, so that that's probably 2000 yeah it's 2005 when he hit 51 home runs oh hit 263 gosh. had a 134 WRC plus. Uh, 51 home runs. That's incredible. Right. Golden that's, Gloves defense. That is a very, that's rarefied air. Yeah. And especially, yeah, like best, best fielder in the league. I mean, man. Um, whereas, uh, okay. So let's look at Jim Edmonds best year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going Jim Edmonds. I just okay. it. So his okay. best year, 2004, actually. So they're doing this at the same time. Uh, 
hit only 42 home runs, but he backed Scrub. it up with a 301 average. And, you know, his, you know, he slugged a lot better. And he, he, he was still providing that same impeccable defense out in center field. He just did it. You know, he had a total, what, 8.3 war, where in, you know, his 51 home run season, uh, Aaron Jones had 7.9. Okay. So pretty cool. Man, close. yeah. That is really cool. I feel like that would be an interesting. Like kind of like a we could do an episode just based on these two guys. Oh, kinda, easy. I I guess like I didn't realize how similar they were in a lot of ways. Because uh, I I mean and I think also part of it is I didn't realize how good of a hitter Jim Edmonds was because I no yeah remember, I remember seeing veteran Jim Edmonds uh, and I remember you know on the the World Series winning uh, Cardinals team uh, you know when when they were uh, you know at the tail end of his career when he's almost mm-hmm. pushing forty and he's. Yeah, that's still solid, but and that's exactly why I chose these guys because they were so similar. You really cannot go wrong, but it's just painful to have to cut someone. I think that really, though, like I said earlier, the separator really is that Andrew Jones fell off a cliff when he turned thirty, and Jim Mm. Edmonds aged like a fine wine. Okay, Uh, I think that's that's the differentiator. And the more I, I'm I'm really good at just convincing myself. (laughs) Oh, I know you're 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 talking yourself into it. At at this point, at this point, Andrew Jones' name is dirt to you. (laughs) Okay, let's not go that far. I I, I mean, I mean, anyway. So I uh, final answer. I am uh, building a statue of Duke Snyder. I'm renting uh, Jim Edmonds because because over the course of the season. Like I could, I can lose the ten home runs from Andrew Jones, which is kind of a preposterous thing to say in favor of better average, more consistency at the plate, because that's going to come in big in the okay. postseason when you need somebody who can, who's a little more consistent uh, on the hitting side, at least, at least hitting for average, um, and you still get that that amazing that transcendent defense, and yeah, like I, I, I want to say probably Andrew Jones is probably edges him out a little bit on the defensive end. Uh, I'll give that a con maybe a little consolation to the Atlanta fans listening to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I feel like Jim Edmonds from the start to finish of his career, I feel like he's just a little more complete of a ball player. That's, that kind of tastes strong when I say it. it. It doesn't, it doesn't. I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to, I don't know if I, I'm going to sleep on this. I'm going to come back next episode and then we'll see if my answer is the same. Uh, cause it's, it's, we're splitting hairs with these guys mm-hmm. and I get, that's the whole point of this is to, you know, put a pretzel in our heads and to get us to doubt our, our knowledge of baseball. And you consider it a success, Brandon, you've effectively broken my, my, that's, uh, that's, that's all I can my, ask for my, uh, confidence in my baseball. I figured if I just, if I just let you talk for a little bit, you end up just breaking yourself psychologically. And then I <laughs> shall be the only host of short hop and tall tales. <laughs> Wow, that was... Uh, it's all part of the plan, man. That's, that's a good prank. Uh, is, <laughs> is driving me out to the desert and threatening to kill me uh, with a couple of goons. But yeah, go not- go listen to the last episode, folks, for that reference. Yeah. Uh, so, But for me here, of course, I said I'm building that statue of Andrew Jones because I okay. love defense more than anything else. Um, right. If I can have Jones and like Ozzie Smith in the same team together, uh, uh, oh, everything about it. Um and I'm having a passing thought. Maybe I do rent a Jim Edmonds, for example, for like half a season for the playoff push. Uh, that just be, because he was impact, the impact bad, absolutely great fielder. That would be a horrifying defense to hit into <laughs> with Andrew yes, Jones and yes. Jim Edmonds, like in the and, outfield. And then for fun, let's throw Ichiro on the right field. You wouldn't um, even need a third fielder in the outfield. You just have yeah. those left center, right center. All right, you guys got it. But 
1953, Duke Snyder hit 336, um, OPS 1.046. You can't say no to that. Damn um, right. Yeah, so I, I, I'm going to rent me some Duke Snyder. And sorry, Jim Edmonds, love you, but I got to cut you. You just want to say Duke Snyder's name. Duke that's, Snyder. That's perfectly acceptable. He reminds me of, <laughs> now I'm thinking of Duke Silver from Parks and Rec. Yep, yeah. that's the first thing I thought of. <laughs> yeah, that was a really, a really balanced argument because I still hate my answer. So I feel like that's the mark of a good, <sighs> a good yeah. cut. When you when, when you when you finish up the podcast and you're still second guessing yourself and thinking, I don't deserve <laughs> this right now. Yeah, that's it's good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, we'll see what the the folks on Twitter. We should start making these into polls. I think that'd be good. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's that's do that. A good idea. Yeah. We'll do that for this one. So uh, if you if you hated our answers, uh, res- interact with us on Twitter. Tell or us just why. hated Noah's answer. Or you, hey, that's perfectly <laughs> fair. I I don't love my own answers anyway, and I never claim to be an expert on on. Uh, I well, I don't know. We run a podcast. Is that? I was just going to say. Wait a minute. <laughs> we got to have some credibility here. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, uh, reach out to us. Feel free to actually pose your own uh trios of players, and we'll break those down. Why have we not opened that up before? Let's let's. Well, we'll do that. Um, so yeah, please uh, let us know what you think about our answers. Uh, give us yours. Give us your reasoning. Uh, and then, if you want, give us another trio of players to discuss, uh, and uh, we'll do that on a future episode. Yeah, and we'll get sad over it too. And we will hate ourselves for that as well. So, <laughs> anyway, if you enjoyed what you heard tonight, uh, please follow Short Hops and Tall Tales on Twitter at Short Hops PL. Feel free to harass us at that uh, at that tag. Uh, follow Brandon at BD Riddle and myself at Noah A. Scott 6. Uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review if you like. Uh, please tell your friends. Help us reach new audiences. Yeah. So uh, for Brandon Riddle, I'm Noah Scott, and this has been the Short Hops and Tall Tales podcast. See you next time. <laughs>